That's Brooklyn giving its thanks to healthcare workers and everybody on the front lines. Thanks, Kate. Right about now, we have to do everything for love. We have to make this choice vigilantly, ceaseless, constant, pervasive kindness over and over again. Is it achievable? No, <laughs> that's not the point. The point is the attempt at loving. Just the, the very attempt for consistent loving kindness is in and of itself transformative. You could just try it on. You could just say, for this next little while, until we get this back on the rails in one form or another, I am going to make an attempt for constant loving kindness with everything I do. So let's just draw a circle around this. Love includes you and other and creation. Love includes the light and the shadow. It's everything. And we have to bear in mind that love is the opposite of fear. Love is the opposite of indifference. So with that in mind, you wash your hands out of love. You clean your counters out of love. You wish for a better day out of love. You speak your mind. You feel your feelings out of love. You make plans. You connect. You reach out. You retreat. You be still out of love, for love, because of love, on behalf of love. You look within to be loving. Love is the only thing that casts out fear because it is the opposite of fear. It's not logic that dissolves fear. It's not even statistics. It's love. It's the awareness of the divinity within yourself, in the person next to you, and everybody. It is your awareness of the divinity unfolding everywhere that dissolves fear. Love is the only thing that gets everything back on course. It's the only truth. Okay, here's one of my favorite jiu-jitsu moves <laughs> with love. You can do things on behalf of other people, meaning, well, let's use the wash your hands example. So let's say you're sheltering in place right now and you feel all tickety-boo and tidy, and your space is clean and cleansed, yeah? Why would you be washing your hands all day? Okay, maybe you don't need to be washing your hands all day because you're in this, you know, quote, safer environment. What if you washed your hands for somebody else, for somebody who does not have access to clean soap and water right now? What if... You cleaned your counters on behalf of somebody who doesn't have the cleaning supplies. The idea here is that we are sharing of our strength. We're doing things that we don't necessarily have to do because we're in a position of robust health. We have a terrific immune system. We have a vibrant nervous system. We are living with ease, sheltering with ease. But we're going to do these actions as a loving gesture dropped into the morphogenic field for somebody else who isn't in a place to do that for themselves. Personal example. You know, my friends and I are out there enough that we'll often do Reiki-like, Reiki-Reiki kind of actions for each other. So if a friend is sick, 
suffering with bronchitis, I will do a breathing exercise for them, setting the intention that they get the benefits of that action. Another one of us might have urinary tract infection. Some of us will drink more water that day and set the intention for that cleansing, healing energy to be sent to that person in need. Yeah? So we can do all the things right now that each of us should be doing to be safe, to be aware of our safety. So many of us are incredibly safe. Just declare the safety. Do all those things to be safe and well for ourselves and for others when they are unable to do those things. Yeah. Another layer to this, another love strategy that I like is to work with the elements. So I'll use another very situation-specific example, wiping your counters down. So we've already established that we're washing our hands and we're wiping our counters down and we're doing all these things out of love, not out of fear. It's out of a celebration of divinity. It's out of gratitude. What if you were to wash your hands or wipe down your counters to be assisting with the elementals, with the higher ones? So we can think of it this way. Imagine that, or maybe you don't even have to imagine that you really feel this on a deep level, that there are countless light beings, higher ones, angels, deities, devas, avatars, just unseen, radiant beings who are constantly assisting us and guiding us in life. Natural conclusion, they are working over time right now. They are feeling our pain. They are assisting with the alleviation of our suffering. They are doing everything they can to guide us through this. So what if you washed your hands to give them a bit of a break? That that gesture that could be assisting someone else in the unified field of consciousness is you just taking a little bit of micro energy off the plate of an angelic being. So we work with the elements. You know, you could be wiping your counters every hour on the hour with joy to say, Mother Earth, Earth, water, fire, sky, I'm here to help. I'm doing my part. This is one less swath of air that you have to look after. It's one less surface that you have to put your loving energy on to clean and cleanse for somebody else. Something to consider. Every healing action counts. It all counts. It's all registered. You know the old saying we used to get in grade school, at least the those Catholics, that over every blade of grass, there is an angel whispering, grow. Yeah? That means that every prayer is heard. Every visualization counts. Every positive conversation, every real conversation, every heavy conversation, every sincere conversation where we're connecting, every dollar contributed to alleviate the pain of this situation, every tree planted, every product we don't buy, all life-affirming choices, all thoughts in the direction of faith, of progress, of higher love count. It all counts. All pervasive love is the course corrector. 
from how we create healthcare systems to vegetable crops to how we communicate across borders and with our own inner selves. Let all that we do be done with love. Twenty twenty was interesting. Twenty twenty one, we can bring more wisdom and awareness to it, and I have a tool to help you do that. It's the Desire Map Day Planner. I make it better every year. I say it's better than it was last year, and this year is no exception. The twenty twenty one Day Planner has new full moon and dark of the moon listings. So I've taken the astrological game to the next level. There's a heart centering practice. That is imprinted on the back pocket. Like there's a real little, a little vessel for tucking your things into the back of the planner, and we have amplified the gratitude prompts that we have every day and every week. Are you a weekly planner person or a daily planner person? Go find out. There's three new gorgeous covers. We have an undated version available. You don't like dates? You're going through your own phase. We've got something for you. Planners are shipping right now, and apparently they're shipping really quickly. Just head to thedesiremap.com/planners. Thedesiremap.com/planners. Why? To get your soul on the agenda. All right, we're going to take a really hard, sharp turn from love to civil liberties and conspiracy theories. I just don't know where else to talk about this, and I think it's time to have the discussion. Here's the thing. I used to run a think tank in Washington, D.C. One of the reasons I resigned from that think tank situation was because every week I was signing an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. It was ridiculous. So I've had conversations about... UFOs and aliens and zero-point energy and weapons of mass destruction and biological warfare and all those things. I have sat through a 10-hour workshop with the professional conspiracy theorist in the world, David Icke. I've heard it all. I believe some of it. A lot of it is ridiculous. Some of it I won't even admit to believing. Some of it I'm not sure. I don't know. They're conspiracy theories. I consider myself mm, a light conspiracy theorist. I mean, here's the thing with conspiracy theorists, is they, we don't even think we're conspiracy theorists. We just think we know more than everybody else knows. It doesn't matter right now whether this is an evil ploy to snatch, to slowly snatch civil liberties from massive populations to wrest control over their their mind, their bodies, and their resources. Could that be happening? It's possible. Will we ever know? Mm, don't know. The right thing to do in response to all forms of suffering of any sentient being is to be loving, compassionate, and inclusive with your understanding. That's the immediate response. Here's a metaphor. You're a doctor, someone comes into your emergency room, they're bleeding. You don't try and figure out who shot them. Did they put themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time, et cetera, et cetera. You just work on responding to the injury, to the suffering. Higher love responds to the immediate suffering. And my opinion is that 
Are our civil liberties in jeopardy? Absolutely. And how we respond immediately to each other right now with the quality of love and the extent of inclusiveness is going to bring so much light into our consciousness and create so much resilience and connectivity that that creates a robustness in the social system that helps us be impervious, more impervious, more resistant to domination of outside forces. The more we love now, the more discerning and clear and stronger and freer we will be on the other side of this. There isn't a person I respect right now on the planet, whether they are an endocrinologist, physician, politician, mystic, or philosopher. These are the people I respect who does not agree that the right action right now is to retreat on behalf of each other's wellness. So I'm hanging with that group. But different people can take the same action for different reasons. So if we are retreating out of fear, if we are blind to the potential dangers of loss of civil liberties, if we are just unconscious sheep, bad news. That is creating further weaknesses to social systems that could play out into more domination. If we take the same behavior and we are doing it out of love, out of deep concern, out of an honor and a celebration for our wellness, and in doing that, our love is connecting us and making us stronger, we could be in for a whole other beautiful outcome. I mean, this is the thing about the personality structure of a sociopath. So let's say that there could be dark forces at play that are wanting to control populations. That's sociopathic behavior. One of the key characteristics of a sociopath is they underestimate their enemy. They don't even think they have an enemy. And the enemy of control is connectiveness. The enemy of oppression is resilience through love. Yeah. And part of this wake-up call for all of us is that so many of the systems that we have in place don't work for any of us. They don't work for conspiracy theorists. They don't work for right-wing Christians. They don't work for the 1%, and they don't work for the impoverished. The systems are designed to impede love and to wrest control. They're not built on free will, and they're not in service of connection. And we're all playing along. It's not us versus them. It's not micro versus macro. We have to reflect on how we've atrophied our own relationship with our self-will, with our divinity. Okay, let's get back to love. Love walks hand in hand with faith. Loving kindness bolsters your faith. And what we really need now after we go down into the depths of our shadow and look at our fear. We need faith that everything from our own lives to the political system is unfolding in a divinely powerful way. 
that every step towards love is bringing us in the right direction. We have to have faith in our own capacities to transform and to lead, and we have to have faith in our co-creators. If you don't have faith, you know what? All you need to do is ask for your faith to be restored. You don't have to show up to life, to spirit, to the community meeting, to your boardroom with the full plan. You just need just that small glimmer of willingness to be faithful. You get to pray for faith. And actually, that's my secondary prayer right now. In addition to, may this passage gracefully lead us to one love. You know, when I'm signing off right now with people, I say, I hope you're well. Stay well. Stay well. I'm affirming your wellness. I'm seeing your deep wellness. Just remain in that wellness. Stay well. <laughs> I don't give them <laughs> I don't give them that whole prayer, but that's my like really intentional choice of words. Stay well and be faithful. Faith right now is as important as our wellness. I hope wherever you are, you stay well and you're faithful course we're going to get through this there's no doubt we have survived plagues and massive wars and we've survived politics um but we have to take this further to have faith that we are in the midst of creating a beautiful new ideal and part of faith in the beautiful new ideal is keeping our vibration as far above worry as possible. Worry isn't going to do us any good. Concern, yeah, concern is active. So when I have friends who are in pain, I set out to steer clear of worry on their behalf. Can't do it, won't do it, refuse to do it. And it's not that I'm steering clear of worry because I just have this full 100% trust in a benevolent universe to carry them through, even though I do try and generate all trust in a benevolent universe. And I don't try and steer clear of worry because I'm dissociated or I'm spiritually bypassing, I'm anything but. The thing is that I think worry is futile, it's toxic, it's heavy, and it's actually obstructive to the energy of the solution. Worry only gets in the way of good intentions and solutions. Yeah, so energetically, it's important to know the difference between worry and concern, and I get it. I get how many of us are swimming in worry right now. We are riddled with it. It is anxiety-inducing. I have my own worries, and some mornings in my kitchen, they grip me, and I have to cry through them. I try and get myself back to discernment and concern because we should be highly, acutely concerned with what's happening. Here's how I break down the difference between worry and concern. Worry, well, this is the actual definition, to torment oneself or suffer from disturbing thoughts. Just about thoughts, disturbing thoughts, to fret. Concern, to relate to, be connected with, to be of interest or importance. Yeah, what a difference. Worry obstructs possibility. Concern is proactive. Worry weighs things down. Concern can rise to the occasion. 
So the dark side, the shadow side of worry is that we think it makes us more useful. It's just this illusory form of control. And we love to cling to it because in uncertainty, what do we want? We want control. And sometimes we worry just because it makes us feel more important. It makes us feel like we're being a useful citizen. It's more about being goodly than godly. You know, uh, if I'm worried, I'm a good manager. I'm a good friend. I'm a good Christian. I'm a good citizen. I'm a good leader. Yeah, no, listen. Worry is not an expression of love. So to steer clear of worry, to move towards active and illumined, intelligent concern, heart-centered concern, we've got to stand outside of the story. We've got to be a witness to what's unfolding. We've got to stay away from the gruesome details insofar as we can. It means we've got to be on a media diet. We cannot be looking for the bad news. The bad news is going to find us when it needs to find us. And we can actively and intentionally go look for facts, which are all debatable right now, on our own time when we are feeling like our nervous system is ready to see those so-called facts. Just don't open yourself to a flood of outside information because that trauma and that drama is a way that dark energies keep us in fear and that's exactly where the darkness wants us to be. It's how it feeds. Worry loves gruesome details. Worry loves to replay the, the current saga or even worse, the potential saga. Worry is just going to sit around and validate all the reasons that everything could go wrong. And this is the thing about worry. It's actually an agent of the ego because worry keeps you constricted and, and stiff, right? The ego wants you right there. Love wants you trusting and expansive and in touch with every kind of solution. What worry is going to do is it's, it's constantly building a case. The ego is constantly building a case as to why you should actually be worried. It's just validating the need to worry. Love is always creating some, some trust, some ease. And from that place of mental spaciousness, everything fires more clearly. You can see solutions. Your body will know what's right and what's wrong. You're able to discern fact from fiction. Yeah. So don't let yourself be pulled onto the set and by set, I mean like the theater set, the movie set of the unfolding drama. You just have to witness what's happening. Witnessing is actually an act of compassion, not letting yourself get dragged down by the drama. Just keep a soft gaze. I know this is so hard to do when we all have our own personal fears, but just keep a soft gaze even on your own fears. You just gently observe what's going on. And from that observation place, that witnessing place, you will have room to allow your heart to break because this is heartbreaking. To be heartbroken is the human and the divine response to this situation. And you're also going to have enough space to allow yourself to feel the anticipation of goodness of healing, of strength, of clarity, of connectivity, of innovation, 
of beauty, of growth. Yeah. And bonus, when you're not preoccupied with worrying, you are freeing up so much energy to be of service in so many ways, in the way that you're meant to serve. Faith is believing that the light exists even when it's dark. You can't prove it then and there, but you know in the deepest part of your being that it exists. You have faith. Having faith doesn't presuppose that you don't need a 360-degree view of all the possibilities. You can have faith you will get through, but it's really valuable to have a worst-case scenario. I love worst-case scenarios. I have worst-case scenarios for every project I start, every relationship I get into. I definitely have a worst-case scenario for this world situation, and I plan against that. So you plan for the worst, and you work towards, and you hope for, and you have faith in the best. I think it's naive. It's irresponsible, actually, to not consider and to not plan for a worst-case scenario. I live in the Pacific Northwest. I have an earthquake kit at all times. Why do I do that? Not because I'm terrified of an earthquake happening, but it just puts me at ease. Like, if bad stuff happens, I'm going to be prepared. Does preparing for the possibility of the bad thing put energy into that bad thing manifesting? No. Because preparing for the bad thing actually calms your nervous system and tells your psyche across the board, you got it, you're safe. You are just affirming that sensation of safety. So that's why we have earthquake kits. That's why we wash our hands. You know, believe in Allah, but tie up your camel. So faith can ride or die alongside a worst case scenario. And a worst case scenario, considering that, is part of being conscious, awake, and responsible for yourself and your community. So be thinking about the worst case scenario in this. I have had conversations about my potential death now or later. I have had conversations about what we will do if there are power outages, etc., etc. I'm doing sweet things like planting lettuce and storing water. I've always been storing water. I have a thing about water. I've got rain barrels set up on my property now. I should be doing all of these things in the spirit of living lightly on the land, of aligning myself with the blessings, the energy of all of the earth elements. Should also be doing it in case of an apocalypse. 360 view. Okay, more about faith. We don't know what we're going to be on the other side of this. And I am going to talk about dreaming and possibility and the visions being born. But I think first we need to touch that place in ourselves that is completely present, that is okay with, comfortable with, in fact, excited about not knowing. It's anxiety-inducing. Let me, let me draw on some Pierre Taillard de Chardin, beautiful priest. Only God could say what this new spirit gradually forming within you will be. Give life the benefit of believing that God's hand will lead you. Give life the benefit of believing that God's hand will lead you and accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense 
and incomplete. If your faith is strong, you can coexist with that suspense and that anxiety around incompleteness. I'm uncomfortable and I have faith that the comfort will come. I am lost and I have faith that I will find my way. My identity is dissolving and I have faith that I will come back together. That's grace. When we have faith, we can give up waiting. So I've been preaching a lot about letting go in this whole series. What if we let go of the wait? My experience in this global situation has been really eye-opening in terms of my relationship to my, my, my home, my sense of home, not my literal home, although it, it does get literal. So I've been in a place for so long of traveling a lot and raising my visibility and having a lot of beautiful opportunities and invitations come my way, my circles expanding, that I haven't really allowed myself to invest in my own inner place. I've been looking to fill that place with career success. Not totally a bad thing. I don't feel guilty or skeezy about that. But there is a degree of shadow to that. That recognition that I get, that gratitude I get from the work I put into the world is going to fill me in a place that I can't reach myself. And that's just not true. I mean, my responsibility is to fill all crevices in my psyche with my own love and my own light, which is sourced from the great love and the great light. Can't rely on anybody else for it. And of course, of course, of course, reciprocity and infinity loops and dynamic relationships. And I know I'm not in this alone. And the delight and the joy I get from gratitude and love from any source all sentient beings, thankful, grateful for it. Yes, yes, yes. Need it. Never want to live without it. And <laughs> I'm really interested in more self-reliance every day. Back to my fractured relationship, my, my emerging, let's say, my strengthening relationship with home. So in addition to becoming more aware over these last few weeks of where I was looking for other people to come in and to fill my sense of home so that that gratitude from career i've also always thought that you know my my next partner who i hope you know the prayer is like long term enrichment team like team divine team hot team service right i've always had this wondering that oh they probably live in a different city and I've talked to other friends like, yeah, you know, I'm really attracted to like the long distance relationship dynamic because I like my space and I'm really attracted to men who like their own space, that they got their own thing going on. I'm established, he's established, and then we meet in the middle. And I can see how disruptive that has been to my own sense of home and how it's prevented me from fully embodying the home that I have my psychic spiritual home 
and my actual on-the-ground physical home property, that what I've unearthed is this flawed thought form that if I fully embodied myself, that if I filled all my crevices with love, if I was so overflowing that it might give this image that I didn't need anybody. And of course, you know, 101 divine manifestation, we know that that's not true. The more you overflow with love, the more love flows into your life. Like attracts like. So why don't I just double down on my love and whatever comes my way in any form, contact with any sentient being is just a celebration, a multiplying of the love that already is. Okay, so let's bring this back to my home and my property and my kitchen. I haven't planted a garden because I've been thinking for years that I was not going to be here to tend it. Huh? How's that for like real metaphor, literal everything? I've, I've created this block to this huge source of nourishment that I could bring into my life if I just planted some sweet damn lettuce. I did raspberries last year. I got raspberries happening and there's a blueberry bush and just kind of, you know, but I'm going to deepen the love. I'm going to really root here and the bees will come or I'll have so much love to get. I can just, anyway, there's so many metaphors. You get where I'm going with this. Give up waiting. Have faith that if you deepen your love for self, that more love just flows in in every possible form. Find yourself where you are and celebrate then and there and here and now. Make the most of your body, of your heart, of your nest, of your home. And all of that goodness flows from having faith in yourself and the next layer. Faith in each other. Humans are beautiful. We are tender and resilient and giving and empathetic. We are concerned. We are determined. We are embracing and radiant and brilliant. My experience vastly, without any doubt, I never questioned my experience of this. Human beings are loving and we rally. We love and we ask and we give and we rise and we heal and we love some more and we heal some more. I see this in the micro of my life. I experience this in macro systems. I see it when I speak. When I show up, I can see society, not all of it, but much of it, lined up in that church, in that auditorium, that conference center. It's all there. The beauty, the resiliency, the suicidal ideation, the innovation, the longing for togetherness, the mercy, the enlightenment. Yeah, we're fucked up and we are selfish and we have lost touch with some of our fundamental truths, but mostly, vastly, truly, human beings are beautiful, tender, resilient, giving Empathetic, concerned, determined, radiant, loving beings who rally. And my faith in us is unshakable. And it's time for each of us to go public with that faith. I know you have it too. It's time for us to say out loud, I have faith in humanity. I am all for love. You've got to say it. You've got to post it. 
You've got to shout it, whisper it, pray it, repeat it, turn it into a mantra. You've got to preach it. You've got to give it in the boardroom, in the Zoom calls, on Skype, to your neighbors, that you are all for love. Maybe you were just a little in the closet about it before, but guess what? 2020 is here. It's time to stand out and say that love, love is the best strategy. Be radically progressive. Love should underpin this policy. I stand for love. It used to be radical, and now it's necessary. 2020 is the year that changes it all, and you gotta believe it to see it. Hey, what a good time to have a grace moment. This is it. I know you've been waiting for it if you've been listening along with this series. Three steps. Be still, receive, respond. All right, here we go. If you're in a place to do so, close your eyes. Your breathing is natural in and out of your nose, focusing on your heart center, your upper chest. Breathing, you're still. Now you receive the energy in your heart. You receive higher love. You receive presence, presence from within and from above. And you receive the guidance of your heart. Could be just this feeling, could be a word, a thought, a color. Let's breathe into your heart space. And now you respond to your heart center. You respond to that energy with offering a deeper breath, thinking a beautiful, nourishing thought, or offering some gratitude to your heart space, to your higher self, to higher love. You could press pause now and continue to be in this space or just take a deep breath, breathe your eyes open, and we're back. Once upon a time, there was an old farmer, and he and his horse worked his crops for years, and one day, his horse ran away, and his neighbor said, Oh, such bad luck. You must be so sad. We'll see. The farmer replied. And the next morning, the horse returned and he brought with him two other wild horses. They had a horse party. And the neighbor said, how wonderful. Not only did your horse return, but you received two more. What great fortune you have. And the farmer said, mm, we'll see. The following day, his son tried to ride one of the untamed horses and he was thrown off and he broke his leg and the neighbors came by again always the neighbors coming by and they offered their sympathy and they said now your son cannot help with your farming what terrible luck you have would the farmer say we'll see and the following week military officials came to the village to conscript young men into the army and seeing that the son's leg was broken they passed him by and the neighbors congratulated the farmer on how well things had turned out. Such great news, you must be so happy. And the farmer himself smiled and said, we'll see. You just never know. 
is 50-50. Moral of the story, you have to leave so much room for mystery. Worst things in my life didn't turn out to be the best things, but they turned out to be the most growthful experience, and that's the point. Worst things in my life turned out to be the most meaningful and purposeful, and all good things come from that purposefulness. I'm with my Angelou, wouldn't take nothing for my journey now. But the the gift and the pain, the blessing from the brutal lesson may not become apparent for years, if ever in this lifetime. So you just got to ride it with the mystery. And we can't figure it all out at once. I have tried to figure it all out at once. In, in my depths, I've tried to figure out how I got there, why I was there, how I was going to get out, and what was going to happen next, and the meaning of life, and how, when did eternity start, yeah? Oh, no, yeah, can't. Just have to be with a mystery, and in that we are resting in love. This beautiful poem from one of my favorite writers, John O'Donohue. And this poem is called, I'm just going to read you a section of it, this poem is called The Interim Time, and it's from his book, To Bless the Space Between Us. You cannot lay claim to anything in this place of dusk. Your eyes are blurred and there is no mirror. As far as you can, hold your confidence. Do not allow your confusion to squander this call. This call which is loosening your roots and false ground that you might come free from all you have outgrown. We have to have faith in the upheaval that in all the disruption, beauty and strength and nourishment is coming up with the roots. Faith is believing that the light exists even when it's dark. We're entering the void. A lot of us are really clear that we're in it. The concept of the void, so capital void, shows up in psychology, mythology, metaphysics. It's part of the human condition. It's the substance. I think it's the substance of the holy. The void is the hero's journey. You go from meek to mighty. You're going to go from lost to found. It's the dark, and you don't know what's in there. The void is where we meet our maker and ourselves. And this is what Joseph Campbell had been talking about most of his vocational career. And how he described it was that the hero enters the forest at the darkest point, the darkest point where there is no path. No one has been where we're going. You have not been where you need to go yet. Does that, does that sound philosophical or just really obvious? We are emergent. The path is emerging with each step. The next step becomes clear. So you can't predict where it's going to go. Not in the dark, at least. One step, next step gets revealed. The path is in our DNA. The capacity to walk it, the seeds of possibility are in us, and we need to water those with our attention, with our prayer, our meditation, our reflection, lest those seeds of possibility that live within us die. So let's talk about the odds of life and death. I always like the odds of 50-50. Keeps me on my toes. Things could go either way. So I'm really intentional around the language that I use, well, around all circumstances. If I'm 
being wide awake and cool about things, but especially around a world health situation, uh, because words have energy and words themselves are little energetic codes, they're seeds. And every time they're spoken, they go out into the field and they latch on to a potential emerging reality. So I haven't been saying that we'll get through this because I believe that we are getting through this. There's a lot of beauty emerging and strength and there's so much being cleansed and purified and we are taking steps towards a more beautiful ideal. So much good stuff happening. So much purification emerging from the suffering. But I'm not 100% certain that we will get through this. And by get through this, I mean, I'm not 100% certain that we are going to get to a more beautiful ideal. Do I feel instinctively that humanity is going to carry on? Yes. I mean, even some of the, the beautiful wisdom that's coming out of various indigenous communities is saying that this is not the end of humanity, but this is a wake-up call. So I feel aligned with that. But no one can predict the future. We have to make up the future. So are we going to get to a beautiful ideal? 50-50. So my language is that we can get through this. That is the radiant offering of encouragement I have right now. That's, a, that's, that's my truth. Are we going to get through this? We'll see. Can we get through this? Yes. And that is the tension to hold. Because if we stay in that space of it's possible, but it's not a given, then we stay awake. And that is the tension that grace holds. Grace is holding possibility and danger. Grace keeps you on your feet because grace knows that this is not easy. This is very arduous, but it's thrilling. It's exciting. It's emerging. Grace knows that it could go either way, and she stands at the center of that, and she waters her faith. And the thrilling truth is that we get to choose which way it goes. It's very exciting, and it's yet to be seen. Be with that. Be in the grace. So here's some questions for you. What do you trust? Who do you trust? From where does your trust spring? And what have you been waiting for? And there's no, there's no restriction or judgment. It's all compassion and wonder around this. What have you been waiting for? And what space and possibility and energy would you free up if you stopped waiting for some particular things? Have faith in yourself and have faith in each other that we will choose from love and we will act on it without delay. So you make your faith really deep and then you make it very specific. Faith in you, faith in me, faith in all of us that we will choose from love and then we're going to act on it. You know, we're not really waiting on the future. I think when we set up that poetry of looking forward. It's like this ghost-like presence is going to come into view and instruct us. We're not waiting for the future. We've just been waiting on each other. I've been waiting on me and my pain and my glory. Waiting on you 
and your confusion and your gorgeous giftedness waiting on all of us in our dark and our light, in our distinction, in our union. All of us letting go to find out who we really are. Next chapter in this series is the final one, at least for now, number seven, and we're going to talk about changing for real. Like really, really. Not allowing this to change us, not letting this change us, but making this change us. Grace for impact. May this passage gracefully lead us to one love. May this passage gracefully lead us to one love. May this passage gracefully lead us to one love. So like, you know where to find me, daniellelaporte.com and all social media, anywhere possibly in the universe. If you got some questions or love notes, send them to support at daniellelaporte.com. This podcast is produced by Kelly Winham. You can find her at face-the-number-four-radio.com. Let me just say that in a smoother way, faceforradio.com. And I give my deepest, infinite, honored gratitude to Team D for helping me do this and so much more that brings my heart to life. I love you so much.